Hello, thank you once again for joining us for our worship service here. So glad that you can. No matter if you're in this state or I hear there are folks that are in foreign places that watch and see and enjoy it, thank you so much. Glad you're here. We're continuing in a series about Joseph, and I pray you've been enjoying it. I know that the Word of God from Genesis is speaking a lot of truth into my life, and I know into yours also, real truth that is lasting truth. Bubba has sent along his regards. He has been asked during this crisis different ways to describe him. And the question was posed to him. They said, Bubba, in, if you had to choose one word, if you had to choose one word to describe yourself, what would it be? And he thought for a moment. He came up with this. Can't follow orders. And so... Bubba, as you can see, can't follow orders. He doesn't do it on this particular day or any day. But that's part of what this message is going to focus on today. It's about following orders, about staying in touch with God's timing, God's ways, and God's intention for my life and for yours. So stay tuned with us as we go, continue on our journey with Joseph. As you know, we've been in this for several months now. And each week that we get up to be a part of looking at what God is doing, it's exciting. Today we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 41, and you'll see it coming up right here. Genesis 41, 37 and 38, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Very interesting, isn't it? Everyone is looking for a successful life. You are, I am, and most people that are walking the face of the earth, if you'd ask them, would you like to have a successful life? They would say, of course we do. And right here in this book, we have some incredible keys to what success is all about. But unlike Bubba, you got to follow orders. You have to be there as part of God's plan. Can we find anyone like this man? What was unique about Joseph? Let's look at a passage in the New Testament. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 16.10. Listen carefully. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus lays out an incredible principle here. It's a wonderful principle. In fact, I call it the great paradox. It's a great paradox because when you think about it, it's God's formula for a successful life. Whoever can be trusted with very little. Many times we think, okay, I've accomplished one or two things. Give me the whole ball of wax. That's not Jesus's formula. Many times God uses a process called time to develop us, to develop things we don't even see about ourselves, to develop qualities in us that are eternal qualities, qualities that will last. Sometimes things we don't even want or we never would attempt. But God loves us too much to stay just normal. We're supernatural beings created by God, and he wants us to live for eternal purposes. And the same with Joseph. Whoever can be trusted with very little. Do you realize Everyone has their own very little. Everyone does. What was Joseph's very little? Well, let's look at it. It gives us a wonderful description in the book of Psalms. 
as we see the psalmist um, going over the fact that Joseph didn't have all a cakewalk through his whole life. God was developing him. I'd like you to take a look and see what the Word of God tells us about Joseph's life according to Psalm 105, 17 through 22. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet. You see, that's something we don't have in that account back in Genesis. But the Word of God tells us they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till what he was foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved true. Keep listening. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed. Get this part, don't miss it. To instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. What an incredible thing for a successful life. Talk about a successful life. Joseph, well, it tells us what he had. He had very little. It goes through that in Psalm 105. Tells us he was in chains and shackles. He was betrayed. He was left in a lowly place in prison. But eventually he gets to that place where he is lifted up to instruct as he pleases. Wouldn't you like to have that caveat attached to your job description if you're a teacher or work in government or no matter where you are in business to have that? You can say as you please and teach whatever you want and you have the authority to do so. Joseph was given that, but he didn't get it in one day. You see, the the word of God says, till the word of the Lord proved him true. It took time. You know the old saying, timing is everything? I'd like to add something to that, and that's this. God's timing is everything. God's timing is. God's timing is incredibly important. God's timing is what makes things happen in the best, best way. When we look and we see how Joseph was affected by all that was taking place, we see that timing will always prove God's word is true. We need to be patient and wait on God. But you see, sometimes in timing, you can have the right ingredients, but the wrong timing, and we can miss God's timing. You're going to see a photo coming up now. It's actually my old home in Brooklyn, New York. It's where I grew up. You'll see some double doors there. And those stairs go up to something called a stoop. A stoop was a place many times in the afternoons and evenings where people would gather. They'd sit in their aluminum lawn chairs, wave to people, sit out there, maybe drink a Coke or uh, have a little treat or ice cream out there. On that very stoop you were looking at in that photo, on that very stoop, by the way, those, we couldn't even afford to move back there now. <laughs> the, the prices have gone so crazy there. But on that very stoop, there came a day or I had the right ingredients. You see, that day, I don't remember the exact occasion, but we're all making ice cream floats. And if your family's never done that, or if you've never done that, you simply, it's a very simple formula. You take some ice cream, you take a bottle of Coke or your favorite soft drink, and you put the ice cream in a glass and you pour that Coke on there, whatever's carbonated, and it just bubbles up, that foam. And as a kid, just love to have that foam and lick it and enjoy it. Well, on this particular day, I was on inside and I decided I'm going to try something. 
And there were friends around and some family around there, some of my brothers. And I took my little bowl of ice cream and I decided I'm going to go out on the stoop right out here. I'm going to go out on the stoop and put a big old wad of that ice cream in my mouth. And then I took a Coke bottle exactly like this. By the way, this is a 1950s, a 1954 Coke bottle right here. And it's a heavy bottle. They had six ounces of Coke in it. And I don't know why they were better in this bottle, but they were. And I took my finger, and many people would do this when you would shake it. You'd put your thumb over it, and you would just feel the pressure. And I had that ice cream in my mouth. I put that bottle to my mouth, and have you ever heard of an ice cream float volcano? I have. I had one happen. It came, when I had that happen in my mouth, all that foam and all started running into my sinus cavity and out my nose like a soda fountain, just running out like there as my family and friends were laughing at me. The point of the story is this. I had the right ingredients to make an ice cream float. But dear friend, don't forget something. There's timing and location. It was the wrong time to put something in my mouth like that and the wrong location. Ice cream floats belong in a glass. Sometimes I've even used it as a bowl, an ice cream bowl of soup, ice cream soup, but not in your mouth. Once again, I had the right ingredients. And sometimes Christians get confused because they have the right ingredients, but what's missing is the time and the location. And we get these because we outrun God or outthink God, we get these... I guess, ice cream float volcanoes that come out of us. We wonder, what happened with that? Timing is so important. Let God do the aligning. You see, it's at this point, all this congealed. Who would ever think just the day before that someone would be told, anything you want to tell to my princes and my elders, all the movers and shakers, everything you say, you have the power to do. And eventually... Everything that God told us will come to pass, just like it did with Joseph. That dream happened years before the fulfillment that's taken place. The word of God tells us something about things that God has said. And sometimes, dear friend, we don't see the immediate result because we can see the substance. We see the ingredients. But what's missing is the location and the timing. God will be faithful. But he's not faithful to us because we have clapped our hands and said, be faithful. He's faithful because he's also building things in us that we truly need. Building things for eternal purposes. You see, the word of God says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. Joseph knew that. He understood that. God had given him a word and he believed God. And look what it comes to day after day. Think about how many opportunities he had to just turn his back on God. But he didn't. You see, look back again at verse 22 of what Psalm 105 records about the successful life of Joseph. I don't think there's a person listening today that would say Joseph didn't have a successful life. If you look into the book stopped when he's traveling off into Egypt, you'd say unsuccessful life. But now look. Who in their wildest dreams would think something like this would happen? To instruct his princes as he pleased. Wow. And teach his elders wisdom. 
You know what I believe? You know what those princes and elders heard? The movers and shakers that were part of that pagan nation. They shared, Joseph shared his 13-year testimony with them. Joseph is now 30 years old. Joseph, how did you get here? Where are you from? What is this about? What is the God you believe in? Joseph shared God's faithfulness along the whole journey. What an incredible thing. You see, even back then, people had to marvel at it. Are you kidding me? You were a slave. You were betrayed by your family. And now you have permission to be one of the most powerful people in the world and tell the princes and the elders that rule over this kingdom anything you please. You better believe Joseph used that. What an incredible thing. But remember something. There's dream robbers all around us. They're in my life and in your life. I want you to see. They're around us, but the, the problem is there's many dream robbers that live in us. That's why it says dream robbers are all around us and in us, and it's capitalized. So I'm going to ask you something. What's your dream? What is it? And today's a great day to reanalyze what you dream about. Joseph many times is called the dreamer, but I, I'd like to just add something to that. Yes, he did have a dream, and he's called the dreamer. But he was also a visionary, and we'll see that as we continue into this complete narrative. But what is your dream? Every child of God is not going to have the same dream. They're all different. The word of God says we all have different gifts. We have different talents. We have different abilities. This past week, we had some people that have the gift of giving, brought more food for our food pantry. Some people came by and donated some financial resources to people that had some needs. Different prayer requests went out. Some made stops in people's yards and just brought a blessing to them in some form. Lots of ways we can bless. There are people here that have technical skills that are with cameras and watching different director screens to see where we go and people putting up things on PowerPoint. It's it's great to have all different kinds of skills. But the question isn't whether we're all the same. The question that we have to deal with is every child of God may not have the same specific dream, but every child of God should dream of reaching their God-given potential whatever that is. And you may not think like you have some kind of a special role to play in God's kingdom. But as a child of God, friend, let me assure you once again, you truly do. And even though it may not look like it now, there was years in Joseph's life it didn't look like that. God has a special plan for you. But you've got to start with the dream of saying, God, my dream when I stand before you one day, is to have lived my God-given potential before you, God. That if there's a blueprint for my life that was the best, I can look at it and say, God, I came really close to that. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for loving me enough to not listen to all the prayers I prayed that may have led me in the wrong direction. God, thank you for your timing. Because, Lord, your timing is everything. God's timing is everything. And no matter what it looks like today, remember, we already looked at it. God's word is going to last forever, period. Now, 
What does the word of God tell us? We're supposed to follow the formula, which is the faithful formula. Follow the faithful formula for living a successful life. I can't tell you with specificity what it is, what that exact way is for you. Nor could you for me. And I couldn't predict mine. There's no way I'd predict mine. If they were to go back in a time machine and say, what are you going to do or be or where are you going to be? I wouldn't know it. God already knows it. And he knows it for you. He's no respecter for persons. And he knew it for Joseph. The ingredients were there. What was lacking was the timing and the location. And many of you out there right now, it's just a matter of waiting on God's timing and location. Don't force yourself to have an ice cream float volcano. Follow after God. Do what he says. Now, what is God's follow the faithful formula for successful living? It's found in 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now it is required. I don't have to define that in Greek. You already know what it is in English. It's the same thing. When something's required, it means it's required. Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Did Joseph live up to that? You see, out of all the things that God asks of us, he just, he wants us. He wants us to be all we're supposed to be. Isn't that what any normative parent wants for their child? And of course, God being infinitely good, infinitely merciful, infinitely holy, wants us to have the best for our lives. It is required that those who have been given a trust must be proved faithful. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been given a trust. And God wants us to live up to that trust. How do we do that? We follow the faithful, uh, faithful form that God's already laid out for us. I want you to see something also. How do we follow that, Pastor? Because sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I just want to do my thing. We've all done our thing. Where did it go? As a particular personality says, how was that working for you? I want you to see something. Pharaoh also says, not only do you want to find someone that's discerning with wisdom, but one in whom is the spirit of God. That's a pretty incredible statement. Think about, there's Joseph before the most powerful person in the world, And this man's able to recognize, this man's full of discernment and wisdom, one in whom is the Spirit of God. Do you realize something very special about us? They'd say, wow, that'd be cool to have that. I know most of you already know this. I reiterate it because it's important. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, look at it. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We're a spirit that inhabits a body. And God indwells us with his Holy Spirit. And just as Joseph was filled with the Spirit of God, and someone was able to recognize it, we too are to be filled and led by the Spirit of God. And so with the spirit of God indwelling us, the word of God tells us don't grieve the spirit or quench the spirit. Don't put the fire out. Sometimes when things are tough, and things are tough for a lot of people now being at work, held up in houses trying to do their work, work from home while they're trying to homeschool children, or maybe you're in a assisted living or a nursing home and they even bring the meals to your door. You want to get out and be with people again. They can't even eat in their cafeterias. And you feel like 
you're just held up, feel like you're going nowhere, remember something. That doesn't take away the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. And God wants you to work even in that way. When someone brings food to your door or when you're ministering in your family, there's wonderful ways to do it. Joseph didn't get where he was in one second. Right now is the time not to let the dreams get diminished. The formula remains the same. Remain faithful where you are. Remain faithful to get in God's word every day. Remain faithful to talk to him. Remain faithful to say, God, today is your day. And in this day, the biggest thing that can happen is let you control who I am. That's an eternal principle that's not going to change because your word will abide forever. Sometimes that means calling someone, emailing someone. It may mean answering a prayer request online. It may be God leading you to do something that you said, I I didn't think of that. You see, even animals dream. Dreaming is one thing. Joseph went beyond the dreaming, put some plans in action. Look at this passage here in Genesis 41, 39, and 40. It says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is one so discerning and so wise as you, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Are you kidding me? That's great, isn't it? I love it because it's a story that goes from ashes to total incredible blessings beyond what anyone could think. But he didn't get there. I want you to look at 13 different dynamics that brought Joseph to the point to where he was. And they're they're just, they're listed right here. And we're going to look at the first five and the next five. Let's look. What, the, the, what was the road to Genesis 41, 39, and 40 where it gets said to him, you will be, whatever you want to do, whatever your orders are, people will listen to you. Here's how powerful you are. Well, what did it start with? It started with premeditation. It started with some family members, his own brother saying, what are we going to do with this dreamer? Then there came a plot. The plot was, let's kill him. Then we see pandemonium. Well, we shouldn't kill him. We shouldn't do... There was chaos. How do we do that? End up throwing him in that pit, in that cistern. Then we come to persecution. They come up with this cruel plan. We'll sell him into slavery. There's a, a, a trade group coming through here. We'll sell him. We'll make some money on him, and we'll be rid of him. Then came poverty. If Joseph ever thought about earning a living and getting married and having his own place. Those dreams were gone. He's now a slave. So look at the first five. Look at that road. You see what happened. Let's continue on that 13-year road. What happens after that? He gets sold into slavery. Then there's prefabrication. We find Potiphar's wife prefabricates this story about Joseph wanting to have some kind of an affair with her. Total lie. So what happens after that? Joseph's still faithful. He runs away and it costs him, well, his freedom. He goes to prison. But in prison, we see perseverance for years. Perseverance. Right now, that's probably one of the things that people may be praying for. Now, God, I need some perseverance. Well, you keep on persevering. God's in the midst of it with you. And he's going to see you 
into and through and out the other side. It's what God does. And after that perseverance, it brings him to the palace where he's before the most powerful person in the world. And the palace brings him to a pulpit where he has a pulpit to tell the princes and the elders of the most powerful kingdom on the face of the earth anything he wants to tell them. And boy, you know he used it as a witness. You see, all this led up to give God honor and glory. No one could have figured out something like this premeditation, the plot, the pandemonium, the persecution, the poverty, the prefabrication, the prison, the perseverance, the palace, and then the pulpit. Your pulpit's coming. We always have some pulpit of influence to teach from and instruct from. But God may be wanting to raise your sphere of influence. And it may come in some kind of way that looks crazy, just like it looks in Joseph's life. It may look bizarre. You can look at those 10 things and think, wow, yeah. Only God can work like that. And he did work like that. What a wonderful thing. You see, to get to the pulpit that Joseph now possessed, it took 13 years to go from step one to step nine. It took 13 years. We can get impatient just waiting for something to heat up in a microwave. It took 13 years. And he's not the only one in the word of God that had to wait for things. Moses in Midian for 40 years tending sheep. You can look through and find a lot of the people that were used greatly by God. We're put in places where God was building things into their lives of eternal value. Where the ingredients were there, but the timing and the location were not where they needed to be yet. God, let him do the aligning. There may be something you can't see right now. And you may think, well, this is just some pastor talking, telling me some nice story about someone. That'll never happen to me. Friend, if you believe that, you don't believe in the God that's in this Bible. God does have a plan for you. And no, you may not be the second most powerful person in the world in your life. That may not be God's will for your life. What God's will is for your life, you remain faithful. That you don't let the dream die out and you become a visionary. Say, God, I want to reach my potential for you, whatever that is. You don't know if the influence you have in the next store you go to or to your child, your grandchild, your niece, the person bringing food to your room, where you pick up food. You don't know if that next person is going to be the world changer. You don't know. Trust God for that. God thinks big things. You see, he brings the location and the timing together. He aligns it. If you miss that out of the story of Joseph, you miss something powerful about the nature of God. He has that for all of us. But there's dream robbers out there. They're out in the world that want to rob you of believing in God's word. And there's dream robbers that live in us because you've been disappointed. You've been hurt. You think God's let you down. Dear friend, God hadn't let you down. You've given yourself probably a few ice cream float tornadoes or volcanoes, but God hadn't let you down. God's timing and location have not come together perfectly yet. And there's little intersections where those things happen in life, but there can be a big one right around the corner for you. God wants to give you a pulpit of influence. Joseph didn't get to that pulpit of influence until he went through those other nine stages we talked about. You to see in verses 41 through 43 something about God. Timing is everything is a human saying. God's timing is everything is a divine saying. 
So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as the second in command and the people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. What a pulpit of influence. God wants his people to have pulpits of influence. And God used Joseph's testimonies, I believe, with those leaders and those elders, with the king himself and with the people to make a tremendous difference in their lives. He told them the truth about the true and living God. He had them listen to his testimony. You see, there's no testimony without the test. We love the testimony. We love to hear wonderful testimonies. But you see, the testimonies aren't about how good we are. The testimony is how faithful God is, how faithful God wants to look and take care of our lives and make us more than we ever thought we could be. I don't think Joseph ever imagined from his dream that it would be as grand as it is. But he was seeking to follow God. And I would say today that if someone ever reached their God-given potential, it's this man. And God's no respecter of persons. Do you want to reach your God-given potential? There's the follow the faithful formula. Those that are faithful in very little. We saw what a lot of Joseph's very littles were. Very little was persecution. Pandemonium was pain. It was persecution. It was prison. It was prefabrication. All those things. But God said, I'll take care of it. You remain faithful. I can bypass those things. I can take care of that. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful way that God has made promises to us and his words will come to pass. He was true to Joseph. He'll be true to us. You see, something that extends from this story is a powerful thought because when Pharaoh comes to acknowledge and honor Joseph, he was not only honoring Joseph, but in that was an extension of Pharaoh honoring Joseph's God. Right now, you are developing a testimony of what it is to go through this. Some of you are furloughed and you've really scrunched in the budget. Some of you, as I talked to someone just before I came here, didn't know when they're going to call them back. Didn't know. Putting things together, they're making it, but it's a walk of faith. You see, Joseph's testimony allowed him to have this kind of influence to where This powerful person, as he honored Joseph, honored Joseph's God. When people see you in your university, in your high school or junior high, your elementary school, in your family, in the workplace, your neighbors you might see when you're walking around, they see someone where they bring, they say, that's a person of integrity. That's That's a caring neighbor. Very much, in very much the same sense, when they honor us, when we give a testimony about who God is, they're honoring our God. They're seeing someone that has developed a relationship with the true and living God. And that's part of having that testimony, walking around being a blessing. When people can be walking around, moping around, we should be out there celebrating. Look at the wonderful things that God put together and made. I've seen more people walking these last weeks than I've had in all of my life before that, I think, except for back in the 
late 50s and early 60s when people used to still get out a lot. What does the word of God tell us? It says in Hebrews 6.10, if you forget everything else, I want you to see this. God is not unjust. He will not. Let me repeat that. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown to him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God's not unjust, and he's not forgetting you. He wants us to remain faithful to him in the midst of everything that's taken place. God's timing is everything. Many of you have gone on vacations with your family, and many times, even though my father worked with the airlines, sometimes we would drive up to the Catskill Mountains to a place called Lake George, a beautiful place. We'd stay at a motel that was on the lake there from some kids from Brooklyn to go to this beautiful lake. They had rowboats there and a motorboat they'd take you out on if you wanted to ski. You could go hunt for uh, arrowheads. There were souvenir shops. It was just fun. Great woods and everything up there. And there was a lot of interesting things that happened as you tried to load eight people into a two-door car. I've got a photo I want you to see that I looked up and found years ago. This is, this is your pastor up there years ago. You'll see on the bumper of that 1957 Ford, Catskill Game Farm. That was another place we'd go and we're up there. There were animals. You could actually go into these fencing areas. You could pet them and touch them and look at them. It was just a great thing to be part of. There were uh, amusement parks up there. And they used to put these little stickers on your bumper. Actually, they'd use a little metal wrap to wrap them around your bumper. That's me staying in front of that car. When we would get ready to go up there, once again, we had eight people to go spend a week up there. And the motel where we would stay had a kitchen in it. We had multiple rooms there, but where my parents were, it had the kitchen area. So we'd bring up supplies to go up there and load up everything with a stroller on the roof. We look like the Beverly Hillbillies of Brooklyn, right, traveling up there. But to get eight people in that car was really something. Now, mind you, this is in the pre-air-conditioned car days, and New York City in the summer can get awfully hot. And so all that anticipation in the morning, getting the car loaded. Are we getting ready to leave yet? Are we getting ready? It's not time yet. It's not time yet. Finally, we get in. But that didn't stop the bickering, you think? You'd get in, there had to be a seating order. Who out there likes to sit near the window? I know I do. To be in the middle was kind of like being in the middle on a jet. You're scrunched in. I like to be on the end. And so there'd be all of us, there'd be a few up front. The rest of us were in that back seat of this two-door car with no air conditioning. One thing about New York you can count on back then and probably to this very time it's even worse, is traffic. The drive up to Lake George, New York, is about 220 to 260 miles, depending on the route that you take. It usually would get stopped with traffic and backups. It would take us five and a half, six hours. Now, here are my parents in a car with six children, loaded down, squashed together, and we never made a peep. Wait, lightning just fell. Of course we did. We couldn't get a few miles down the road and someone had to go what? 
Someone had to go to the bathroom. We have to, how long do we have to wait? Are we going to get there yet? And then you get out and stop there. And then you keep on going and someone getting too close to you and they start a little argument. Mom, dad, dad, so and that would start. Then it'd be some of the pinching of the legs to get someone to move over more. But you couldn't let your mom or dad see because you get in a lot of trouble. And then, of course, I'm hungry. Well, that's not in the day where you could just pull into any McDonald's. It wasn't a place just to pull into. Many times we'd have some things in the car, but you know how that goes, how long that lasts. But you had potty stops. You had no air conditioning. It's hot. You're sweaty. Are we there yet? Is it time to get there yet? Are we almost there yet? Are we going to get there yet? And I'm sure, I don't know how many years we took off my parents' life during some of those trips. But after about five, five and a half hours, there would be a bend, and we knew where it was. We're in this yard to a kid from Brooklyn or kids from Brooklyn. They had made a little red barn. It was really neat. It looked like something kids could have a ball in. Just a little red barn, something you could just, out of, a, out of a magazine, it was beautiful. We knew when we got to that, it was almost time. We'd be hitting some of the souvenir shops. We'd be going to the ice cream shops. We'd be going to Gaslight Village. We'd be going to the Catskill Game Farm. We'd be ready to hunt on and find some arrowheads. And turning down that street where the motel was and pulling in, seeing the lake, we knew it was time then. Yes, then it's time. Dear friend, along life's road right now, there's going to be stops for traffic. There's going to be slow-ups. There's going to be some fighting, some pinching. There's going to be some things that are uncomfortable. Is it time yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you may not be there yet, but you're going to get there. Remember, God has a pulpit of influence for you. Don't miss using the pulpit you have today. Because the person that's faithful with very little, the word of God says specifically, it's an emphatic statement. Joseph had very little to work with, but look what God did with very little. So don't think your very little is too little. God has a plan for you and he wants to work it out with the very little you have right now because he may have just around the bend a pulpit of influence. It may not be analogous to what Joseph had, but it's powerful and it will touch people. I'd like you just to bow your head right now, if you would, as we come just to a time of prayer. It may be your prayer of dedication, because most everyone by now has figured out what their very little is. What is your very little? What is your dream? Maybe even listening to the message today, God has redirected your dream, because maybe you answered it with a lot of secular type things. And there's nothing wrong with having earthly goals. Don't get me wrong, there's not. But if the biggest goal is not to reach your God-given potential, friend, you've taken less. God wants you to reach his potential for your life. And that starts with the simple things today. It starts with being obedient to his principles and his ways. So if God's redirected your dream to have everything underneath reaching your God-given potential, just tell them right now. Say, God, I want to reach my potential that you have for me. And I put all my other dreams underneath that. What do you have for me? Because God, I can see. Joseph had to go through nine steps. And there's more than that, of course. 
But those nine before we found a tremendous pulpit of influence. He had a pulpit of influence before that, but it was expanded. Do you want your pulpit of influence to expand? Do you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Because Jesus said that's a great thing to do. He negates the way the world says to be great through self-promotion. But the way God says to be great, he tells us, follow the faithful formula. God's way to be great is to be a servant, is to be faithful in the little things. So take what little things you have, because in your hands and in my hands, that's all they are. But in God's hands, they're very big things, and God will use them greatly. Look up here for a moment. The whole goal when we entered into this time of this virus is to reemerge stronger. And I pray God's been using this series to bless your life, to analyze and reanalyze things and reengage to reemerge stronger. And I pray that that's exactly what's happening. Thank you for once again listening to God's word. Thank you for taking it seriously. And thank you for supporting the ministries that go on day in and day out throughout this church. Your faithfulness is truly awe-inspiring. I am humbled when I see people walking in here with groceries, offering envelopes, or to share a testimony or hearing from you. It's such a blessing. Thank you. The church is the church no matter where we are. I'm glad that you're taking the little things. God's making them incredibly big things. Look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.